Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 paul would continue to write to timothy in second timothy chapter four he says this the time is coming again speaking of the latter days when people will not endure sound teaching but have itching ears they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions there it is again people who will tickle their ears just tell me what I want to hear, that's what the end is going to look like. The Apostle John was given this incredible revelation of what the latter days would look like. It's called the book of Revelation. It literally means an unveiling. It means the exposing of what used to be a secret or used to be a mystery now made known. Literally, God gave us an entire book in the Bible so that we would know what the end will look like. This is how the book of Revelation begins in Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things which must soon take place, he made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. The whole book devoted to that purpose. Even Jesus himself spent many, many, many times, or much time, ministering to the people in, throughout the countrysides as he was preaching, going through city to city, uh, synagogue to synagogue, delivering the gospel, delivering the good news, the message of the kingdom. And he was often talking about these latter days. Look at what it says in Luke chapter 21, verse 25. There will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth, distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world for the powers of the heavens will be shaken and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great, great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up, raise up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. He goes on, he says this, watch for yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and with drunkenness and the cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell upon the face of the whole earth, but stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Jesus says, be careful, because the cares of this life the carousing and the drunkenness and following along the, with the flood of dissipation, those things will be tempting for you. And if you're not careful, you'll be caught up in those things and you'll miss the coming. This is what it's going to look like in the latter days. You stay awake. You stay prepared. Jesus wants you to be ready. Even right now today, Jesus' heart for you is that you would be ready. I wonder how many here today are really truly ready, truly prepared to meet Jesus face to face. Or if that moment were to happen right now, fear and trepidation would be upon your face. 
your heart would sink a pit in your stomach because you know that you've been caught up in the cares of this life and you weren't living for what's to come. The latter days are upon us. Daniel says, here, listen, king, God has given you a revelation of what's going to come next, of what is coming right around the corner. Now, I love what Daniel does here next. Look at this. Uh, verse 29, to you, O king, it's been, as you lay in bed, thoughts came of what would be after this. This is a recurring dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. And he who reveals mysteries has made known to you what it is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all of the living. I'm not better than the rest of the wise men. I, I, but this vision has been made known to me in order that the interpretation may be known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. This isn't about me, Daniel says. And you've got to come to the point in your life where you understand that if you really truly want to be used by God today... It can't be about you. Why did God use Daniel so radically, so powerfully? It's because at the end of the day, it wasn't about exalting the name of Daniel. It was about exalting the name of the Lord. He wanted his God to be known in a foreign land, and he was faithful to that, and God moved on his behalf. You see this worked out in the lives of the apostles. The apostle Peter, you can read this later in Acts chapter 10. He's praying, and he receives this vision of these unclean animals that he can rise and he can eat. Can you imagine God, you know, for the first time saying, all right, you know what, Peter, bacon's going to be okay, Right? And Peter's like, God, nothing unclean has ever touched my lips. I'm not going to do it. Three times, God says, no, rise, kill, and eat. And finally, the word says what God has cleansed, you shouldn't call common or unclean. If I'm telling you it's okay, it's okay. Amen. Just then, someone comes from Cornelius's house. He's a centurion, one who has great power in the Roman Empire. He oversees a hundred men, a hundred legions of troops under him who's been praying and was given a word from God to go and to ask for a man named Peter to come and to share the gospel with him. So Peter, he follows them back. He comes into Cornelius's house. And what does Cornelius do? Because here's this man that God had promised would come to him, that would share with him the word. And Peter comes into the house, and Cornelius falls on his face and begins to worship Peter. And Peter says, don't do that. Stand up. I am a man just like you are. And God has told me that I should come and I should share this with you. And so here's the message of the gospel. And the scripture says that the whole house repents and they're baptized and the Holy Spirit falls on them and Peter is just blown away. Why did that happen? Because Peter wasn't making it about himself. He shared the word of God. You read a few chapters later in Acts chapter 14 and you come to the story of Paul and Barnabas and they're in a, an area called Lystra and there in Lystra these, there, there's this man who's crippled and he sees him and he understands that he has faith. Something in Paul like spoke to Paul and said, that is, there's a man who has faith to be healed. And he tells the man, I want you to take up and I want you to walk. He rises from his seat. He begins to walk. And the people in Lystra, they begin to worship Paul and Barnabas as Zeus and Hermes. And they're bringing oxen ready to sacrifice to Paul and to Barnabas. And Paul and Barnabas are grieved in their spirit. They don't want to receive this. They don't want to be any man's idol. It says they tear their clothing they rent their clothing and they say don't worship us we're men just like you actually we've come to call you to turn from this kind of wickedness that 
region turned upside down. The scripture says in Acts chapter 17, the disciples were accused of turning the world upside down. Why? Because in their ministering, they didn't make it about themselves, they made it about Jesus. And if you want to be used powerfully like those apostles, if you want to be used powerfully like Peter and like Paul and like Barnabas, if you want to be used powerfully like Daniel, then you have to come to a point where you say, this isn't because of my wisdom. This is God doing this. It's not about me. I can't tell you how many times. Well, I can tell you how many times because it's every time. You, what you guys see when you come to participate in a sermon, in a service, you see the worship team up here and you see it polished and well put together. But do you realize they practice for hours in order for that to take place? When you come, you hear a sermon and you see the finished product, but you don't see the time that Walt or myself or any other pastors spend in prayer, laboring in studies, reading commentaries and looking up words and and dictionaries and understanding what the text says. You see the finished product, but all of that happens. All of that takes place because somewhere along the line, we were humble enough to say, I can't do this on my own. The first thing I do when I leave this platform is I go get on my knees and I thank God because I know whatever happens here for your benefit or to the glory of God happens because of him and not me. If you want to be used powerfully by God, you've got to come to that same place where Daniel was, where you're so humble and you say, look at this isn't me, Nebuchadnezzar. I'm not trying to take any credit for this. This is all God. So look at what happens here. Now we're going to look at, finally, we're going to get to this image here. We're going to get to this dream. Look at verse 31. And first off, you're going to see the statue. The statue. If you're taking notes, you can see the statue. You saw, O king, and behold... A great image. In other words, it's a great idol, really, is what it is. A great image. The image was mighty and of exceeding brightness and stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. That word frightening can mean awesome or awe-inspiring, right? So you saw this awe-inspiring image or idol before you. Verse 32, the head of the image was of fine gold, its chest And arms were of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron, partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut by no human hand and struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold, all together they were broken in pieces and they became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found, but the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Now pause there for a moment while we look at this image. This is the revelation of the dream. Daniel says, look, there's a statue and there's a stone. This is what took place in your dream. Now imagine what this must have done in Nebuchadnezzar when he hasn't shared with anyone what the dream was, right? This recurring dream that keeps bothering him. And here's this man who verbatim, who who, who is able to describe this image in detail, right? In detail, the image that Nebuchadnezzar had seen in this dream. He nails it, right? Now at that point, Nebuchadnezzar understands something, doesn't he? He understands that this man in front of me communes with God. This man who has brought this revelation forward is not a phony, is not a fraud, is not a fake. He's not using some magical arts. He's not trying to fool me. This man really is the real deal. He's the real thing. 
Now, if you are taking note of this image, there's a picture. Did we bring that picture up of this image? This is the best drawing I could come up with right there. No, I, I didn't draw that at all. That's straight off the internet. Google's amazing, isn't it? Google search is amazing. Now, the, that image, the interesting thing about this image, and what I want you to understand before we go into the interpretation of this statue, is that this, this image, it was completely top-heavy. The head of gold, gold weighs twice as much as silver. The torso or the, the shoulders and the arms of silver, right? Silver weighs twice as much as iron. The legs were of iron. So this thing is completely top-heavy. The weight is at the top, right? It's just a matter of time before what? If something's top-heavy, it's just a matter of time before that topples. Have you guys ever seen a bodybuilder that is like, he skips leg day all the time? Right? Walking around, they're super huge on top and nothing on the bottom. They got like little chicken legs. And you feel like if you flick them, boop, like that, they're just going to fall right over. <laughs> right? That, that's what this image is like. Now, here, here's the thing. Again, this image, the purpose for this revelation that, that Daniel's bringing to Nebuchadnezzar is he wants him to understand what's going to happen in the latter days. He's setting the scene here. He's setting the stage. God's going to get the glory. This is what's going to happen next. This is what you're waiting for. Right? And now he's going to give this interpretation. Follow with me. Verse 36. We're going to read quite a few verses here together, and then we'll come back. All right? So bear with me. Verse 36. So we have the revelation of the dream. Now here's its interpretation. This was the dream, Daniel says. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. This is what it means. That's what you dreamt, but this is what it means. Verse 37. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heavens has given the kingdom, the power, the might, and the glory, and whose hand he has given wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all, you are the head of gold. And another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze shall rule over all of the earth, and there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all of these. And as you saw the feet and the toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom, but some of the firmness of the iron shall be in it. Just as you saw iron mixed with soft clay, and as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong, partly brittle, as you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they shall mix with one another in marriage, but will not hold together just as iron does not mix with clay. So here's the interpretation, Daniel says, of what that statue is in your dream. And in essence, what he's saying is that statue represents the kingdoms of the world that will happen. In essence, what Daniel is doing here is he's unfolding history to Nebuchadnezzar before it ever happens. Think about that just for a moment. Some, some people actually assume that because of the prophecies that Daniel writes here in Daniel chapter 2 and when we get to Daniel chapter 7, that this was written after the fact because they scratch their heads and they say, how could Daniel have have ever prophesied something so, uh, so detailed, so accurately, the only plausible explanation that this could possibly take place is he must have written this after the fact and claimed that it was written way back then, that someone used Daniel's name years later after the fact and said Daniel wrote this when these things were yet future. Does that, does that make sense? 
Now, what are these kingdoms? The first one is the head of gold. And there, you know, Daniel is speaking kindly to the king. And understand this, though. If, if God gave Nebuchadnezzar all of that power, guess what that means? It means God can also take it. Doesn't it? And I think that that's maybe appropriate for us to hear and understand today because you, you might be in a place today where you feel like maybe, you know, you're pretty blessed. You have to keep in mind that the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. You continue to seek God's heart and to honor the Lord with your choices and your decisions because just as easily as you were blessed, those things can be taken from you. And that's what Daniel says. You're the head of gold. Right? You're the head of gold. There's going to come a, a kingdom second after you. That's the silver. It's not maybe quite as, as, as powerful as your kingdom, but it's going to come. So the first kingdom, and I'm going to spare you the dates. I mean, I have all the dates written down, but you know, if you really want to look into that stuff, you can get the notes. I can send you the notes. Email me. I'll send you all that stuff. But it's a lot of historical stuff, and I want to focus more on the practical stuff maybe, but this is the order, right? The head of gold is the kingdom of Babylon. The head of, or the, the shoulders and the arms of silver is the Medo-Persian empire, which would come after the, the Babylonian empire. The, the torso of bronze or the, the waist of bronze, that would be the Greek empire, which was kind of led by Alexander the Great, and then the legs would be the Roman empire, right? So here are these four empires, one right after the another, right? Again, it's top-heavy, but here's what's interesting about this, is that even though it's top-heavy, you understand that the value of the metals decreases as it gets closer to the ground, right? Gold is more valuable than silver, which is more valuable than bronze, which is more valuable than iron, but, but, right, the strength of the metal increases the closer you get to the ground, right? Gold is not quite as durable as silver, which is not quite as durable as bronze, which is not nearly as durable as iron, Okay, that's the progression there. So some Bible scholars believe, well, what he's talking about is that, yes, those, those uh, rulers might have been powerful, right? They might have been powerful, but maybe the, there was a regression in, in kind of like the moral standards of each of those cultures that happened. And that's why the value decreases, even though they become more powerful. It's interesting because the Babylonian Empire was an absolute monarchy. What the king said it, it was the final word, right? You have the Medo-Persians, the silver, and what was interesting about them is that they were still a, a monarchy, but they ruled through princes and through regions. That's how they extended their power. They had people in place that were doing their bidding. And then you get to the Greeks, and the Greeks, while they were a monarchy still, they still had a king. They ruled through their generals, through their military. And then by the time you get to the Roman Empire, the legs of iron, it's a republic. They elect their leaders to represent them, right? And we might not think about that when we think about Roman Caesars, but they were the result of, of political plays, okay? So this is what, what, what he's saying is this is what history is going to look like. This is what's going to happen after you, Nebuchadnezzar, okay? Now, we talked about this. That statue's top-heavy. It's just waiting to be crumbled, right? At the base, there's a mixture. There's some toes that are mixed with clay. The iron is mixed with clay. Obviously, those two elements, they can't form together. They can't bond together. So there's a weakness that is there. Now, what's interesting about this, when we take this in conjunction with what we're going to read in Daniel chapter 7, you'll see, again, according to this prophecy, what happens here in these toes is these toes are a future kingdom that is yet to come, that is going to be birthed out of the Roman Empire. 
So many Bible commentators for many years, they've had this premise that at the end of days, there's going to be a 10-nation confederacy, each one individual, but they will work together at the end of days. Now, I found this article on Politico. Now, I'm not sharing this article with you in order for you to say, hey, this is a good news source. I'm not, I, I'm not saying whether or not it's an appropriate source for us to use. But on Politico, this is actually what, what happened in 2018. Look at this here. I put it up here for you to see. Emmanuel Macron, that was the, he's the, or at the time, he was the uh, president of France. Listen to what it says here. Impatient with German foot dragging on defense, French President Emmanuel Macron will bring together a 10-nation coalition of the willing. That's what it's called. A coalition of the willing next month designed to prepare European armed forces to take action together in emergencies and to bind Britain into military cooperation as it leaves the European Union. Defense ministers of France, the UK, so here, we're going to count this, France, the UK, Germany, Italy, Spain, Netherlands, Belgium, Portugal, Denmark, and Estonia will sign a letter of intent in Paris in June, officials told me, pledging to develop a common strategic culture, share analysis and foresight on trouble spots that may require intervention, and to work to coordinate their, their forces for future operations. Again, Daniel, hundreds, thousands of years ago for us, had this revelation explain this dream, told the king what the dream would be. There's these four kingdoms, and out of the fourth kingdom, the Roman kingdom, there's going to be nations in those toes that will work together, but they're going to be weaker. We see these things coming to pass for years. Bible scholars have looked for this 10-nation confederacy, and I'm not saying that this is for sure the one, right? But it's interesting that they're calling this a coalition of the willing, and this is happening right now in our times, right now in our days. So we see this statue. Are we good with the statue? Can we move on to the stone? So the stone, look at what it says here back in Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. You think God isn't watching. You think that he's turned a blind eye, that he doesn't care about the interactions of man, the wars of men. You think that he's not paying attention. No, there is a God in heaven who's going to bring his kingdom and is going to topple the rest. And one kingdom will stand. Look at this. Nor shall there be a kingdom left to another people. It shall break in pieces all of these kingdoms and bring, to them, or bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, a great God has made known to king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. So there will be a stone cut out of a mountain that is not formed by human hand. There will be a kingdom that will come that is not a human kingdom. This is a kingdom sent by God. This is what Daniel is saying to Nebuchadnezzar. Be ready because that kingdom will be coming and a stone will come. Do you realize the scripture throughout the course of scripture, it, it mentions this over and over again that Jesus is the chief cornerstone? A stone not cut by human hands. Look at what this says in Psalm chapter 118. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Legend had it that, tradition has it, that when the 
cornerstone was being formed in the quarry, chiseled in the quarry, off-site of the temple grounds. Understand, they didn't want any of the work to be done on the temple site. They wanted it to be quiet and it to be peaceful and to be a place of worship. So all of the stones were quarried off-site and they were trucked in or brought in by hand to the temple site in order to be put in place. And the chief cornerstone was sent ahead before the builders at the site were ready for it. So when the cornerstone arrived, they didn't know where it fit in the rest of the building. So what did they do with the chief cornerstone? They took it and they threw it off the cliff into the Kidron Valley with the rest of the garbage. Thus bringing a perfect picture of what the Jews would do to Jesus The chief cornerstone, the foundation stone, the most important of all of the stones thrown over the cliff in with the garbage. Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Crawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app. You'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app. Or when you text CCCIV app to 77977.